everybody a high five, and you can be seated this morning. Tell them God's good. Well, isn't it always awesome to be in the house of God? Don't you love worshiping Jesus? Don't you love His presence? Aren't you thankful for His touch that when two or three gather, He is there? He's here this morning. Team, we thank you for leading us in worship this morning. It was beautiful. Well, I'm excited uh, this morning to share with you a word's been uh, burning on my heart. Last week, we uh, looked at the spirit of the carpenter. Anybody walk out with your head lifted if you were here? That the spirit of the carpenter is here to break off lack and limitation, the devouring spirit, oppressive spirits, that you don't have to walk bound. You don't have to walk in limitation and lack. And this morning, what is we are together for the next few moments, I want to look at God's word and I want to... Uh, talk on the thought of standing on God's promises. Anybody ever had to stand on a promise of God in a tough season of your life? You know, the thing is, when, when I go through tough times or when you go through tough times or you're looking for answers, His promises are there. But if we never seek out the promises of God's Word, how can we stand on them? And as Christians, we need to know the promises of God. We need to know what the Word of God says. And that's my heart this morning as we look at the process of the promise. You know, last week I shared a little bit of, and I really want this to get in your spirit because I believe it'll bring uh, clarity. And here's the thing I've come to find is when you hear something in the word of God or just something in general like a concept, every concept needs context. And so when you get the context of that concept, then it brings clarity. That's the process of how that works. So... For example, the concept of worship. You know, as a new believer, when they walk in, they see that, okay, this is what worship is. I lift my hands. I sing praise to God. That's an aspect of it. But when you get into the context, and you see in Romans 12:1, when the apostle Paul said, in light of God's mercies, that you would bring yourselves as a living sacrifice. You start to see the context of that, that it's more than just singing songs but it's every day walking in obedience and my life and every decision I make is an act of worship, is an act of service. Paul says it's an act of service, which means I bow low before God. Every day when you wake up, when I wake up, we bow low and we say, Father, my heart is to worship you this morning. So when you understand the concept of worship and you get the context and there's clarity of what worship is, and then you can live that promise out and you'll start to see through obedience, you possess what God's word says. Last week we said that God gives us an inheritance. And through that inheritance, there's promises. And from that promise, there's possession. But how do we get from the process of reading the promise to possessing it in our life? And this morning, this is really what I want to focus on. It's through obedience. That when we're obedient to God's word, that's the secret ingredient that activates his word in our lives. But obedience is usually never the easy thing. Obedience isn't the easy walk. Usually when we have to be obedient to something, it's something that goes against our grain or, or rubs us the wrong way. But when we have the presence of God in us and it lead us, leads us to the promises, then we can be obedient. And that's why when Paul says for worship, when you bow low before him, you're ridding yourself of what you think is right, of what your pur- purpose is in life, and you're saying, okay, okay, God, what does your word say is the calling on my life? What does your word say that I'm supposed to do? What's the focus and what's the purpose that you've laid out for us? Because if we don't know it, 
then there's a whole other world. There's all of these other ideas that will grab you and say, this is what you're supposed to do, or this is what you need to buy, or this is where you need to go. And so this morning, I want to dive into that. I want to look at a couple scriptures that talk about the inheritance of God. Isn't it awesome that when you get born again, you get filled with his spirit, you enter into the family of God, and you become a part of over 2,000 years of Christianity, that you enter into the family of those that have gone before us, and there is an inheritance that you have access to as well, because you come underneath a new father. You come into a new family. That's the amazing part about the gospel, is that we leave our old man when we had our baptism service, what's, what is that representing? The old man's coming down, the new man's coming up. And then we start to learn of the awesome inheritance that God has left for us and that we can walk through in this life. But what I've seen in myself, and I think we can all agree with, when we read something in the Bible or when we sing about miracles, well, why isn't a miracle happening in my life? Yeah, I still believe, but why, why am I not seeing the manifestation of what a promise of God says is in our life. It's not that the power's not there, and it's not that God's not moving. It's just have we turned ourselves, and have we really got the concept and got the context, and there's clarity where we can walk out the promise of it, and that we can be open. And so this morning, I pray is, and even as I was standing there worshiping, I felt that in my spirit, that God spoke to, to some of you in here. He said something through his word or he reminded you of something. And I want to challenge you, when God speaks a word to you, go to the word, the living word, and start seeking it out. Start doing a study on it and really find out what the context of what Jesus is trying to say to you is. Because that's where you'll get in the right vein and you'll get in the right path. And then you can start to see the promises of God come alive in your life. Does anyone this morning want... Want to, the promises of God flowing through your life, flowing through your marriage, flowing through your family. We all, in the light of his mercy, I love how Paul says that in Romans 12.1, in light of God's mercy, where Paul's saying, in light of the mercy that he has so shared upon me, I bow low before him. Because he paid the ultimate price. He took our place, what we deserve, so that we can have an inheritance. You know, uh, an inheritance is simply this. It's something that I promise you today and give you later. Simple breakdown of what an inheritance is. Another way to look at it is if you've ever been to a concert or you've ever uh, bought tickets to a show or something, you might have done something called will call. Anybody ever bought tickets uh, or someone bought tickets for you and then you go and you pick them up on will call? And kind of to, to break it down a little bit, say that uh, Kelly, where are you at, Kelly? Wave your hand at me. Say that Kelly loves Kirk Franklin. Any Kirk Franklin hands in the, fans in the house? Kelly loves Kirk Franklin. I decide, I'm like, I know Kelly loves Kirk Franklin. So I'm going to go ahead and buy her and a friend VIP tickets to the Kirk Franklin concert coming to the U.S. Bank Arena. And I say, now, Kelly, I'm going to buy them, but I'm going to put them on will call for her. Now, she can be excited. She can be so full of enthusiasm. She can go on, uh, and buy all of Kirk's music and get to know it. But if she never gets in her car and drives to will call to pick up the tickets then she's never going to go get into the concert, right? See, this is the part of the disconnect when a promise of God, when we read it or we see it, it's the part of actually being obedient to get to it. Because he's, he's made away the inheritance and the promises there. But for you and I to possess it again, it comes through obedience. 
If you want the marriage that you read of in the Bible, it comes through being obedient and laying yourself low. If you want to raise your kids the way of the Word of God, it takes obedience. Look at what Scripture says about the inheritance that you and I have. Ephesians 1.18. Ephesians 1.18 says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Boom, right there. His inheritance to the saints. That's for you and I. Look at what Colossians 1.12 says. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. So He desires for you and I to be partakers of the inheritance that Jesus Christ has left for you and I. You know, the, the thing is, we, we, where it all gets messed up, you have to look at our two spiritual ancestors we have. The first one is Adam. The first, we, see, we know the, the story of the Garden of Eden and all that happened there. And then our second ancestor is Jesus Christ. And if you read the Word of God, you'll see that Christ, a lot of the times, is referred to as the second Adam. Where he, he because of Calvary, because of the blood of Jesus, he redeemed what the first Adam failed to do. And so... This is where you and I have to pick. Which Adam are we going to follow? Are we going to follow the first Adam who fell, fell to sin and all, of, all the things that sin brought into the world, oppression, depression, suicide, drug abuse, alcohol, all the things our world struggles with is a result of the fall of sin that makes us broken. But then we go over to the second Adam, who's Jesus Christ, who has the spirit of the carpenter within him, who builds us, and who lifts our head, who raises us up, who sets us free from all the things I just said, and gives us power and gives us freedom. He redeemed what that was, therefore gave us access to what Adam could not do into the inheritance of God. But a lot of us, how we talk and how we walk and how we live our Christian lives, we make this Adam over here look like he's got all the power, that I can never overcome that, I can never do that. This has always just been my bend. It's always been a struggle in my life. This Adam wants to keep you limited, wants to keep you bound, wants to keep you out, wants to bring lack into your life. But that's where we know the spirit of the carpenter who builds our life, who lifts our head as we looked at last week, who said through uh, the prophet Joshua, he desires to give you good success, decides, desires to move you forward. That can never happen if we don't understand the promises of God and we don't stand on them in every season of our lives. Some seasons of our life, it's easier. Some seasons of our life is tough, but a mature believer learns the promises of God and they can stand on them when the waves come and then when times are good. Being a level-headed believer, being a level-headed follower of a Christ, not allowing emotion or all the things that try to pull us and get us going different ways. I love this because Ephesians 1.13 says it beautifully. It says, In Him you have also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, here's the word, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit we just sang about, the Holy Spirit we just worshipped, seals your life seals you and gives you access into the inheritance of God. That's what the presence of God does. Aren't you thankful that you're sealed? Sealing is important. 
I've worked, seen my dad, he does waterproofing. His whole life has been about sealing cracks and foundations. Without it, you don't have a basement. The Holy Spirit seals your life. And when you get to know him, you see how he gives you confidence and you see the promises of God come alive for yourself because it's just not for me to experience them. It's not for your mama or your daddy to experience him. It's for you. It's for you. He wants you to experience this inheritance. And the devil knows if he can lie to you, if he can keep you out of church, if he can keep your kids away from the things of God, if he can keep division in your marriage, then he can rob the inheritance from you. You do know the devil wants to do that. He wants to rob the inheritance from you. But again, look, I want to look at uh, a famous parable and, and breakdown of how the promises of God come forth. Look at Matthew 13, 31 through 32. It talks of the parable of the mustard seed. It says, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air can come and nest in its branches. Here's the principle we see through this word. Is a lot of the times when we're looking for promise, the promises of God, we're looking just to have it right here and right now. Okay, God, show me right here, right now. But what this scripture and what Jesus is saying through this parable is when I want you to possess the promises, I give a seed, not a tree. I give seeds, not trees. And if you know anything about a seed or if you're into farming or if you have gardens, seeds take a lot of work. The minute you put that seed into the ground, it basically becomes another baby of yours. Where you're nurturing it, you're watching over it, you're watering it, you're making sure it gets the care that it needs. Yes, God sometimes does provide exactly what we're praying for. But just think about your kids. When you're raising your kids, all the things that go into it, they just don't go straight from kindergarten into being a young adult. There's a whole lot of stuff that go, that's got to go in between. You know, we just, want it, we just want to get to the destination. But God, we know that God's all about the journey because of what it's building inside of us. Because if he just gives it, gives us that tree or gives us that promise then, then we haven't got the integrity and the character and the fruits of the Spirit, the things that God's wanting to build in us to actually take hold of it and steward it properly. So God gives seeds, not trees. You can write that down. Go ahead and tweet it. Pull out your phones and tweet that. Look at uh, some different characters in the Bible of how God gives seeds and not trees and further break down what this principle is. You know, when you think of the scripture, how God gives peace that surpasses all understanding. You might see someone in your life or someone sitting next to you that, man, they just walk in peace. How, how do they have that kind of peace in their life? And you might be praying, God, give me peace that surpasses all understanding. Give me peace. I want peace in my life. But we have to understand, we have to be obedient as the scripture says, to be anxious for nothing, to pray in all occasions and be thankful. There's a process that goes into having the peace of God, the promise of peace deposited into your life. Look at some other examples. God promised Abraham, the father of many nations, an inheritance, right? He was going to be the father of many nations. That's an inheritance that God was speaking to Abraham. 
But the promise was fulfilled by Abraham offering his son Isaac back to God, right? That's where the promise became activated. And just think about that for a second. Think about his promised child, the one that God spoke he was going to have. He had to do the thing of bringing him up onto the altar, laying him down, even to the point of death. And that's where you see that God provided the ram in the thicket and spoke to him because he wanted to see where his heart was. You have to know that as you're in this process of taking care of your seed, of the promises that God has spoke in your life, that God's testing you along the way to see where your allegiance is, to see where your heart's at. Look at some other examples. God promised Joseph to rule over his brothers. We, we know the promise that Joseph, that God gave Joseph a dream that he was going to rule all of his brothers and how Joseph was arrogant about it and started spewing it. Hey, I'm, I, you know, I'm your little brother, but you're going to bow down to me one day. And we saw what happened, how he was, uh, his brothers got jealous and angry at him and they threw him into a well and threw him in uh, the process that came where he was sold into slavery and throughout all the years that he was in prison, God had given him a promise, had given him an inheritance. You know, in the back of his head, he said, okay, is God good? Is God a liar? A lot of you, God has spoken things to you through his word years and years ago. You haven't seen them come to pass. And then when through the process of time, because you haven't seen this promise come to pass, you start to question God. You start to question his goodness. But we see through Joseph and all the tests that he went to, for example, with Potiphar's wife, the purity test, where Potiphar's wife wanted Joseph to sleep with him, and how he had to flee that, and how because of making a right choice, here's what you have to know about the promises of God. When you do the right thing, it can still get you thrown into a pit. Anybody ever been there before? Like, I have done the right thing. I'm trying to do everything right. But look where it got me. I think that's one of the toughest places to trust. And so Joseph was thrown back into a small cell thinking, God, I just, I thought this was my moment. I did what was right. I thought you were going to put me into, possess the promise that you've spoken to me. But Joseph still had more work to be done. Look at Joshua. God promised Joshua and the Israelites that they would dwell in the promised land, there's the inheritance, but that they lay hold of the land not with weapons, but rather by marching around the city according to God's commands, according to being obedient. So that was the obedience, that God said, uh, you'll take Jericho, Joshua, you'll keep continuing your conquest of taking back the land, but you're not going to do it the way you think it's going to be done. And here's where I I want to take a moment and really look into Joshua's story because these are some things. When you hear about Joshua and Jericho, what's the first thing we think of? Man, they marched around Jericho seven times and the walls fell. And that's where we want to shout and say, okay, there's going to be breakthrough in my life when when I worship, when I praise, when I proclaim the blessings of God. That's an aspect of it. But the part we fail to see a lot is the tough road of obedience that God took Joshua down. That God took Joseph down. That God took Abraham down. We love to flip to the places where the promises are and they get fulfilled and we get excited with them. And then we kind of like to skim over the part where they actually had to do some tough things. 
you know, here's the, here's the thing, too, along with God gives seeds, not trees. When you think of great trees that grow, or look, even look at the power of a seed. The other day, we were playing some golf, and we were in some golf carts on the golf cart pass, and these golf cart paths were pretty rough, and I was thinking about my message. It's a good place to unwind and kind of start the first part of preparing for your messages on the golf course. I love it. Um, God speaks in golf. That's what I've seen. So... So as we're on the, on the golf course and we're bumping around and the, it's just super uneven, it's, it, the golf court, cart paths are pretty tough, you know, I, I look a little closer and what I started to see is the roots of all these trees started busting up the concrete that was under. You might experience, you might have a, a driveway where some trees have grown big and the roots just started to, to bump up the concrete. Look how powerful that seed is. And look what it grew into, how it can even destroy concrete. Something as tough as concrete. So there's something powerful when God has placed a seed in your life. You've got to know that one day, he's not trying to build a mushroom that pops up overnight or some weeds that pop up overnight here and there and gone. He's building you into something strong that can withstand storms, that can be resilient, that can go with the storms and not crack or not break or not be affected by when storms come. That's what God is building all of us into. And that's what his inheritance does. It's not some overnight quick fix, bless me now thing. It's something that, that God wants to deposit into your life for the long haul. And so I want to look at Joshua. If you open your Bibles or uh, you turn to Joshua chapter 5, I want to look at something, and if you're familiar with this story, you might have caught it, but it was just kind of something that I read through and didn't really see. Man, this is what God required of Joshua to do in order to take Jericho. Look at Joshua chapter 5, verse 1. So here's what it says. It says, So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were, on, who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over. And so what that's saying there is the enemy people who were occupying Jericho start, heard all the stories of how God moved on Joshua and the people of God's behalf. How they went through the Red Sea, how they went, God parted the Jordan for them to come through. So they were terrified because they saw God move on their behalf. And so look what it says next in Scripture. It says, and there was no spirit, this is talking about the people of Jericho, the enemy. It says there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. So they were afraid, they were almost willing to say, we have no idea what we're going to do because we've seen how their God has moved on their behalf. And you know, deep down, and if we can get this revelation in our, in our lives, the enemy is scared of you getting a hold of your inheritance because that's what will happen to them. There's not going to be any spirit in their enemies any longer because they've lost control of you. Look what happens. It says, this is what Joshua God tells Joshua to do. So as this whole enemy group of people is freaking out and scared, the people of God are, man, they're getting hyped. They're getting ready to, to run in and take the city. And I'm no military strategist. I mean, I played a little Call of Duty in my day. But as not an expert, what you're about to see doesn't sound like the kind of plan to take over a city. And this is what you need to hear. What you think is the plan to get to your tree and, wa and have your seed watered is usually not the way that we think is going to happen. So watch what, what God speaks to Joshua. 
as they're ready, as they're pumped, as they're hyped, they're ready to take the city, here's what the Lord said to Joshua. Make flint knives for yourself and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. Phew. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of foreskins. Isn't that funny? That's what they called this place, the hill of foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way. After they had come out of Egypt for all the people who came out and had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. So that's a long way to really say they got circumcised. And so we see the process, the first step of them to take Jericho is to go through this painful process of circumcision when if you study circumcision in the context of what it was written, here's the clarity for you. Circumcision was a form of baptism. That you're not going to go into the city unclean. And circumcision hurts, right? It's not fun, especially if he just went out, took some of his guys, went out to the wilderness, let's find some rocks, make some knives, and let's get the surgery going. (laughs) And so we see this process that's, that's taking place. And here's what I want to say out of that. Obedience is painful. Obedience is painful. A lot of the times we just want to waltz or dance right into it, but obedience a lot of the times is painful. And that's what Joshua had to do. Obedience was painful. And flip over to Joshua chapter 6 as you see the, the second installment of what God is saying to Joshua. Joshua 6, verse 1, it says, Jericho was enclosed and fortified, and no one went in or out of it. Then the Lord said to Joshua, so here's the inheritance, here's the promise that God is is speaking to him. Behold, I will deliver Jericho into your hands, its king and its army of soldiers who are mighty. But place your soldiers around it, and it shall come to pass. And when you sound with the trumpet, let all the people shout together and And when they shout, the walls of the city shall fall by themselves, and all the people will enter, each rushing throughout the entire area of the city. Again, you have to look. Joshua was expecting to take up arms and go and take the city. So God's giving him these promises. He's like, you know, God, no offense, but what kind of strategy is this? Why is this the process to get to the promise? And here's what's even so crazy about what God is requiring of Joshua and what uh, Joshua is having to go through. As you read down, he says, don't even take any weapons or arms with you. So they went unarmed to go and take a city. So you see, as you, as you know the story, for six days, he, he said, you know, you're not going to say a word until that seventh day when, I, when the priests blow the trumpets and shout, and that's when the walls will fall. So for six days, they walked around this city. And again, obedience is painful. Remember what they just went through. So I can imagine them, a lot of the men, they're walking like this. Anybody ever been believing God in the promises, and you're walking a little like this, a little in pain? Not easy? So they're walking around Jericho. They're not saying anything. Here's the thing is, people, we need encouragement. So not saying anything, they're, what are they doing? They're not talking, hey, man, you can do this. You can do all things through Christ who strengthen you. you know, they're not encouraging each other with Scripture. 
guess what they're having to do? They're have to press, pressing into God and seeking him as they're walking because no one's saying anything for six days as they're walking around this city unarmed in pain. But this is the process of the inheritance that God had for them. So as they're walking, you can tell they're watching the sun go up, sun go down. They're tired, thirsty, hungry, all these things. And eventually the seventh day rolled around. And this is the part we all love. But if you don't see the concept that God was putting into their life and understand the context, then you're not going to get the clarity of how Joshua received his inheritance. And so we see in verse 14, when the seventh day came around, it says, And on the seventh day they rose early in the morning and went around the city six times. Then it came to pass, as they marched around the seventh time, the priests blew the trumpets, and Joshua said to the sons of Israel, Shout! For indeed, the Lord has handed over the city to you. And, you. and then you see, imagine being the people, the Israelite people. And as they shouted, you start to see the walls crumble down. And start to see, oh my gosh, it was worth it to be obedient. And when you've experienced the promise of God in your life because of your obedience, God builds faith in you where you know it's worth it to be obedient. It's worth it. And that's what I want to encourage you with morning. Wherever you find yourself on whatever journey it is, believing what God's word says, obedience is painful, but it's worth it. All good things in life never just happen or never come at ease. That's just, that's just life. It comes through hard work. And so trust God in the process that you're in. Trust that wherever your seed may be, whatever your tree may look like, that he's in control. And keep doing what you know to do. Keep your nose in the book. Meditate on it day and night. You know, that's what he told Joshua at the beginning. Don't depart from the word. Meditate on, on it day and night. And this is the ingredient, the key to success. When you know the promise of God, then you will have good success. Because it's not by your might. It's not by your power. But by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not by your, you need to get this. It's not by your might. It's not by your power, but by his spirit, says the Lord. You got to let go of control. You got to trust God and you got to know what his promises are. Even to the point of where you might be walking like this because you're in so much pain of trusting God. Tell you, Joseph was, Abraham was. But this is, this is the part, the piece of the puzzle Yet you have to look at both sides. You can't just share about the blessings and the prosperity of God because it always comes at a cost. And it comes, as Paul said, where you bow low before God and worship. And that's where things are deposited into your life. Of when you approach him in humility, when you understand that you are nothing without you, that it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything that you need. That's where you find him. And that's where his inheritance and his promises become activated in your life. If I could draw a circle for you this morning, I, I, this is what I would do. Is if we had a circle right here that said God's faithfulness. And we had a circle right here that said your obedience. And part of that circle connected. You know what it would say in the middle of that? Is that's where good success is found. When it's God's faithfulness, he holds true to his promises. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then your obedience, when those two touch, that's where the power of God 
is released. That's where it's released in our lives. So whatever direction you're looking in or trying to make things happen, go back to what 2,000 years of God's Word says and seek out the tried and true way, the way of the ancient path. Remember we talked about that? The way of the ancient path. That's where truth is found. So if you stand with me this morning, I want to pray with you. And in a moment, we're going to sing the song, Walking Around These Walls. I thought by now they fall. But guess what? He has never failed me yet. I believe in this moment, God wants to speak to you. If you take a second and just linger into his presence, he wants to encourage you as you're taking care of your seed. As you, the questions you've been asking God, why? Why isn't this happening yet? Or why is this happening? You have to trust his process and let go of what you think is right, what I think is right. So this morning, if you bow your heads with me, Father, we thank you. God, that your inheritance gives us promise. And we possess that promise through obedience. Father, we want to be obedient to you and to you alone. We want to submit our lives and bow low before you in worship. God, we want to trust your process. As Joseph had to, as Abraham had to, as Joshua had to. Whatever it looks like, God, we open up ourselves right now to receive divine impartation, instruction, revelation. Take the concept of obedience. Give us context so that we can have clarity and we can walk this thing out, and we can follow you with everything we are. God, I pray for gray areas in our life that rob our obedience or try to distract us or keep us out of your presence. God, we want to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. Let his kingdom be established in our hearts this morning. So this morning, as we declare that great is your faithfulness, that your promises still stand, speak to us, Father. Lift our heads as the spirit of the carpenter does. And when, our, when obedience and your faithfulness come together, that's where we find the power of God in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.